you got to know that there's stuff going on in the Middle East right now, specifically dealing with Israel. And Israel's coming under attack from all sides, literally, um, from Syria and from the other side. And so we need to pray for Israel. So if we could all stand, we need to take a moment right now and pray God's hand upon Israel. Amen. That's going to be the epicenter of a lot of things going on when the end time comes. And so we need to keep that area lifted up. Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We take this moment right now, Lord, and we lift up your precious people, your covenant people, Israel, Lord Jesus. You already know what they're going through. You already know. You knew before it happened what was going to happen, Lord Jesus, and you allowed it to happen. We don't know why, Lord Jesus, but we pray that your hand would be upon that nation, Lord Jesus. Lord, there's people that want to annihilate that nation, but that's, there's no way that's going to happen, Lord Jesus. Not according to your word, Lord. And so we lift them up right now, Lord Jesus. We call upon your name. We plead your blood over that nation right now in the name of Jesus. Even though the people might not be living right, oh God, they are still your people. Lord Jesus, that is still your nation. Lord, that is still the center of all that is going to go on in this, in this earth, oh God, in the last days. In Jerusalem, Lord Jesus, we pray your mighty hand upon those, Lord, that have been kidnapped, oh God, and those that have had suffered many things, oh God, at the hands of these people, Lord Jesus. We pray your mighty hand upon them. Oh God, right now, Lord, let your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In that country, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. We have no idea. We're not going to, probably not going to get a report back of what, how our prayer made a difference, but I can tell you right now that our prayer just now made a difference somehow. Because there's other people that are praying for Israel right now. They've been praying. Amen. And so we need to keep them covered. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through five. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through five. And then when you have it, say amen. Amen. I charge thee. Therefore, before God, Paul is speaking, writing to Timothy. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the church. This is, this is a letter to Timothy who is an elder or, or whatever position he had over the New Testament church in the, wherever area that he was in. But this letter was intended to be read by everyone and understood and heard by everyone. So this is not just to Timothy. This is all the way down through time. This is to us. That are standing here tonight. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Making full proof of our ministry. Everybody say, making full proof. Everybody say, of my ministry. Everybody say, of my ministry. You have a ministry. If you're not sure what that is, you need to ask God. Amen? So, when we were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, we received our draft card, if you will. We were drafted. We were, he, he allowed us to be grafted into the kingdom. He allowed us to become a part of what's called Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise, the Bible says. And so as draftees into the kingdom, there are certain expectations that the king of the kingdom has for us. And that's why he had... The Holy Ghost had Paul write this, these letters in this New Testament that we read. Because the Holy Ghost was speaking to the church at large. Because, we're, you know, we're dealing with a God that knows the end from the beginning. He knows the day of our birth and the day of our death. And everything in between, that little dash in there. He knows everything about our life. He, the Bible says that before we were put into the womb, He knew us. And so, by extension, he knew our life. He knew that I was not going to be satisfied with Catholicism. He knew. And so, I believe that all the way back when I was a little kid going to CCD classes, he was making sure that I had no interest at all in a lot of that stuff. But he did give me a good foundation to start with. And so God knew that there was going to come a day where I was going to walk into a church building and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He already knew that. He knew the place. He knew the time. He knew what I would be doing at that time. He knew all the details of my life, just like he did, did and does every one of you in this room. And so this, this word, this letter, is to us tonight. And Timothy was given a charge. Does everybody understand what that means? He was entrusted with a task. He was entrusted with a duty and a responsibility. When you go to work, when you went to work, they walked you into that department and they said, this is going to be your job. And this is going to be the equipment that you're going to be responsible for. And here's what the equipment does. And here's what our expectations are for you. That's what they have orientation and employers for, right? They're orienting you to the environment that you're going to work in, and they're telling you this is what your job is, and this is what we expect. 
And that's all he's telling Timothy, and that's all he's telling us. I have an expectation for you. And I charge you, therefore, before God. And what did he charge us with? What did he charge Timothy with? Preach the Word. That word preach does not necessarily mean do what I'm doing from behind this desk up here. If you look up the word pulpit in the Bible and you're... In your cool Bible app that you have, you'll only find the word pulpit in the Bible once. And it's not even in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. One of those prophets stood behind a wooden pulpit. Look it up. (laughs) Hallelujah. Preach, proclaim, publish publicly. Jesus never went to a pulpit in a building anywhere. Where did he do 98% of his ministry? Out in the street. Occasionally he went to the synagogue. But sometimes you just got to go where they are. I'm not advocating anybody to go into a bar. I only did it once, and there was nobody in there. It was my brother, and it was a tiny little place, and the Lord sent me there to talk to him about the Holy Ghost. And it just the Lord worked that out. Nobody was in there. Thank goodness. I was sitting there thinking, Lord, I can't believe I'm sitting in a bar with my Bible open. This doesn't seem right. But anyway, Jesus went to where they were. He went. He walked down the street and found blind Bartimaeus. He walked to that well that day, and he sent his disciples away that day because he was needing. He said, he, I must needs go through Samaria. Who told him to do that? His father did. Jesus didn't do anything without his father giving him instructions on what to do, where to go, and what to say. It's no different for us, is it? He did All he did was proclaim and publicly, publicly publish the word. He told people what his father told him to say. He went to the multitudes and stood on the hill and talked to people for hours. He was our example, wasn't he? Be instant in season and out of season. Be prepared to do do it the way he's asking you to do it and go where he's asking you to go. Even when your, your natural man brain says, this doesn't make sense. I can't do this. To which God should be whispering in your ear and saying, I know. That's why I'm asking you to do it. Because I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking, just asking you to be faithful. I'll do it through you. When we understand that, then we don't have, we have nothing to fear. It's not us doing it. We're just we're just the vessel. We're just the conduit that he's working through. Repute, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. We don't just stop there. Because there's lots of people that do that. But they don't do it with any long suffering or doctrine. They just go around reproving, rebuking, and exhorting have no wisdom. And what do they end up doing? They end up driving people away from Jesus instead of drawing them in. 
We've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? You've got to use God's wisdom. Let God tell you what to say. Don't start running your mouth. I know. I ought to know. I'm the one that's probably the most guilty of that. <laughs> and the pastor's smiling. <laughs> the confession is good for the soul. <laughs> He's right. My mother gave me, God gave me the gift of gab. I wasn't like this before I got the Holy Ghost, so there you go. And he says here, for the time will come, and it's coming, and it's upon us right now. When when the Holy Ghost says something like that, the time will come, that's not just hyperbole. He's serious. Is this okay tonight? If you wanted a milkshake or baby food, I'm just you might need to go somewhere else. Right? Because we're all we're all mature in the Lord tonight, right? So if you if somebody gives you meat, what do you do? You get that ham that steak, that that ribeye on your plate, you don't just stick that whole thing in your mouth and swallow it whole. You gotta cut it in little pieces and chew on it. So when God's talking to you and saying some hard stuff to you, you got to chew on it. I'm not looking forward to the day where they got to feed me a bunch of mush because all my teeth are gone, right? I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to do that. I like a milkshake every now and then. A chocolate malt, to be exact. But there comes a time when a good piece of steak is just, it's good. I'm going to enjoy it, but i got to chew that thing, and i got to swallow it one bite at a time. It's like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> Hallelujah. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who is the they that the Holy Ghost is talking about right there? They is a famous person, aren't they? We all talk about, they made me do it. They cut me off, right? They jumped in line in front of me at Walmart. Who's the they that he's referring to in this scripture? I believe, and I, uh, some of my study basically brought this out, that it's, this is talking about professing Christians and apostolics. Believers. They... The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I'm not pointing fingers, but could that be somebody in this room? I don't know. I don't know. Could that be me? I don't know. I hope not. I plan not. So they, professing Christians and believers, will not endure sound doctrine, meaning they've already been receiving some sound doctrine, but they're not going to endure it anymore. But after their lusts, their desires, their appetites, their longings, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Itching ears. To hear what? Something pleasing to their ear and to their mind. Don't. Preacher, don't preach it so hard. Can't you just take it easy? Can't we just have some baby food tonight? You go right ahead. 
I'm not going to go there, but there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about strong meat and milk. You go read that. And you decide which one of those kind of people you are. And if you're still on the milk, you need to get on the meat. We need to come up, come up a notch, right? They shall heap teachers to themselves. They're going to go out and look for them. And they, there's those they again, shall turn away their ears from the truth. They will willingly and voluntarily turn away their ears from the truth. They will make a choice with what the knowledge that they have and with the wisdom that God's given them, with the Holy Ghost that God's given them, they will willingly make a choice to turn their ears away from truth. That could be some, either some of us or somebody we know. I'm sorry, but the Bible says that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's talking about believers, folks. That's not talking about them out there. They're already believing that stuff. That's talking to us in here, the church. Wow. What's the truth? They'll turn their ears from the truth. Complete Word Study Bible says truth is evidenced in relation to facts. Therefore, aletheia, which is the Greek word for truth, denotes the reality clearly lying before our eyes as opposed to a mere appearance without reality. There's some stark realities that are before our eyes right now. You might not like what the Word says, but it's the Word of God, and it says it for a reason. You've got to decide if if you're going to let that minister to you or you're going to shovel it back to somebody else. And I don't know if we're supposed to be doing shovel ministry in the church, are we? No shovel ministry, right? You receive what God is saying to you, even if it hurts. What's a, what's a good, good way to know if you're really submitted to somebody? How do you know? Obedience. Somebody can tell you something that, you know, that they know and you know you don't want to hear. And you don't get upset about it. Somebody, your boss at work says, you know what, you're doing a great job, but this and this and this needs a little work. And you don't get upset about that. You just say, okay, fine, boss. I thought I was giving it my 100% best, but I'll, I'll do better. Or you, your response could be, well, who do you think you are? I'm giving everything I got. And you could just rail on your boss right there. And the outcome of that's not going to be good. So if you're submitted to God, if you're submitted to this Word, then if God sends a man like your pastor to tell you something, you need to be able to receive that and not be offended. Because the Bible says that in the last days, some are going to be offended. Jesus asked His disciples, are you you too going to be offended at Me? Are you going to let this get under your... Skin, and are you going to let this get under your craw? And you going to let somebody know where your goat's tied? Like my grandmother used to say, don't let people get your goat, right? 
I want to be submitted to whoever God's placed in my life as an authority, as a covering in my life. I want to be submitted to that. I want somebody to be able to tell me no. And if I have to look at my life and I have to make a determination that there's nobody out there that can tell me no, I can do what I want, I might have a problem. Because we all have to submit to authority. The Bible even says to submit to those that are in natural authority, like you work for your boss. Give 100% as if you're giving it for Jesus. Because that's your witness. If you, if you don't get to preach the gospel to them, that's you preaching the gospel. Because there's not many employees that will do that. Stand out. Be different. Let them see in your life that you're living your life different than the rest of the crowd. They're going to notice. Trust me. They're going to know there's a difference. I work with people that will not invite me out to lunch. And you know why? This is why I think. They feel conviction every time they get around me. And they, they like to talk about stuff that I, they know I don't like to talk about. So that their, their way of... <laughs> I mean, when the boss says, hey, we're all going to eat lunch together, then they just got to suck up. But... <laughs> But on their own, they won't invite me to lunch. And I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. Some people would be like, they'd get like a, you know, a complex or something. What's wrong with me? I I put deodorant on. What in the world? Why don't the guys invite me to lunch? (laughs) No. I'm happy that, that it's that way. That's how they treated Jesus, like he was an outsider or something. So I'm like, okay, I must be doing something right if this is how they're acting. Same guys don't mind asking me for a favor when it's something they don't know how to do. (laughs) And it's okay. I just smile and do it. Because I'm working as unto the Lord, right? But he says in verse 5, But watch thou and be mindful. Watch thou in all things. Be mindful. Exercise restraint. Be watchful. Be mindful of all. Be mindful of what's going on around you. Exercise restraint in your life. Just don't go off half cocked. Don't don't just go out there and just. You're not running your own life, folks. We're not our own. I didn't write that. We're bought with a price. I didn't write that either. Take it up with the author. Your life is hid with Christ in God. If that's the case, then you. You get it. Endure afflictions. Paul told Timothy earlier in verse in chapter three, I think it was, he said, Yea, and all that will live that will live, that will choose to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy three twelve. So he te- he told he's telling Timothy here, endure those afflictions, endure those persecutions. They're coming. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So you have to make a conscious decision. Am I going to live godly in Christ Jesus or not? And if you choose not to because you don't want us to endure the afflictions, that's your choice. But just remember, that's your choice. When you're standing before the ma- your maker and there's nobody there but you, you've got to give an answer for that. Right? Do the work of an evangelist. 
This doesn't say be an evangelist. It doesn't say that. Was Jesus an evangelist? Was he? He was evangelist. He went around. He, he, he evangelized the world in his day. He walked everywhere he went, Sister Barb. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a Segway. He just walked or got on a donkey. And we think we got it rough. And the only pair of shoes he had was a pair of sandals. And it wasn't like the kind of sandals y'all wear. It was just a flat piece of leather with some string tied around his foot. That's about it. No Dr. Scholes back in the day. Okay? Make full proof of your ministry. It's your ministry, but it's nothing. there's nothing you did except coming into the kingdom. Because even Paul says in several places, the ministry which God gave him. It's not, it's not mine, it's his. But he's saying, make full proof of, your, of the ministry that I've given you. And you, you said it already, my ministry, so it's too late to take it back. You shouldn't have listened. It's your ministry. You have to make full proof of your own ministry. Whatever that is. We're all not the ear. We're all not the the foot. Some of us are a big toe. Some of us are a pinky. But we're a part of the kingdom. We're a part of the body. And you've got a ministry. Try to walk around without your big toe. That big toe has a ministry to keep you balanced. It might not be a ministry like the mouth or the ears or some, some other part of the body, but it's a ministry nonetheless. Make full proof of the ministry you received from the Lord. It's from Him. And he, it's intended to be successful if you'll let Him operate it through you. Be that conduit. A conduit's like just an open piece of pipe. There is no bottom in it. He just flows through us. If we just let him, he'll flow through us, and he'll do things through us that will blow our minds and the people around us. But who gets the credit? (laughs) You're going, I couldn't have done this, so it had to be him, so he gets all the credit. You know, I... I really don't mind people saying that was a great message and all that, but I really don't like it because it's not me. Yeah, I'm up here speaking, but it's not me. It came from him. And so I I receive those and I say thank you, but I turn around and give that right to him. I'm not taking his glory. He said no man is going to take his glory. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5 in the Amplified Classic. It says, For for the time is coming when people will not tolerate sound and wholesome instruction, but having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number. Oh, that was not good enough. Uh, You're not saying everything I want to hear. Let me go over to this guy. They'll just go from church to church to church to one guy to the other until they find somebody that says what they like to hear. That's not going to get you anywhere. 
chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold, and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. As for you, be calm and cool and steady, accept accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fully perform all the duties of your ministry. And it's, it's incumbent upon each one of us to do that. I've got to be, I have, I'm responsible for fulfilling and, and doing the things necessary to fulfill my ministry, the one he gave me. It's not my job to help to make sure you fulfill your ministry. But I'm like, you, I'm like everybody else in here. Who doesn't mind a little help now and then? Pastor, help me to understand how to fulfill my ministry. Is there something wrong with that kind of question? No. Because he's the one that God has given the unction over this congregation, and God's going to give him wisdom to help you. And that goes back to the part about being submitted. When he tells you what you need to do, it might not be exactly what you were expecting to hear, but just receive it and say, okay, I'll do that. Because don't we want to be doing what God called us to do? He might have just called you to pray. He doesn't call everybody to this kind of a ministry right here. Ministry doesn't happen in here. It does, but it's intended to be out there. He told us when he commissioned us, what did he say? Two-letter word. Go. Go ye where? Therefore, unto all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Go out there. Do what Jesus did. Don't sit still. He didn't sit still except for when he went up into the mountain to pray sometimes. So that means we've got to get alone and pray sometimes. That's where we hear from God. That's where He gives us our marching orders and our instructions. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. Don't You're not doing it for glory. You're not doing it so everybody can see what you're doing. Just go do what I ask you to do. And you'll have great success. The ministry that we've been called to is not something that we manufactured ourselves. It's a thing that God has called us to and placed upon our lives. Fully performing the duties of our God-given ministry entails much more than salvation experience and just showing up. Lots of people just show up to work. They don't get a whole lot done. And you can pick them out in a heartbeat. And you can say to you, and you can comment to yourself, they're not going to go far in life. They're going to be stuck in that same job their whole life. But if you want to get promoted on a job, what do you got to do? You got to go above and beyond. You got to do more than is expected of you. So that when you get that evaluation, it says exceeds expectations. Since I've been where I'm at, every one of my Evaluations has said that in every area exceeds expectations. Is that because the boss thinks I'm a nice guy and he likes me? 
No. He's he's a retired Air Force colonel. He don't play. If you're if you're a jerk, he's going to let you know that in your evaluation. He's not going to he's not going to mince words. He's not going to patty cake. He's not going to soft soft sell it. He's he's going to tell you like it is. And the only reason I get those is because I give them exceeding abundantly above what they even ask of me. Because I want God to get the glory. If one of them says, why do you, how do you I'm just going to tell them. Like I told them when I got there. The only reason I'm here at this job is because God opened the door and let me come here. And they just sat there stunned and dumbfounded, didn't know what to say. But I just said, that's the reason I'm here. What was I saying to them? You're blessed because I'm here. And they are. They're blessed because we're in their workplace. They don't know it. They don't realize it. They don't understand that feeling whenever you come around. But that's the Holy Ghost. And it's just like they don't know what to say. They don't know how to act, right? I, don't you want that to be the case? I want, them to know, I want them to know just by me walking in the room that there's something different. Not, not me, the Holy Ghost. Philippians 2, 1 through 8 says, If there be therefore any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill you my joy, that you may be like-minded, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness and mind, lowliness of mind, let each other let let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let us let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's a little hint into how we're supposed to f- fully prove our ministry. Right here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being, made, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Somebody already said obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 in the Amplified Classic. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness and attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born of human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. And I'm including myself in this. Can any of us say that we've done that? I don't even think I could say I've even come close yet. 
Paul, what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's the same Christ we're talking about right here. Are we doing that? Look at Paul's life. Do you think Paul, he was probably a lot closer to this than we are right now. And he was out there killing Christians for religious reasons. Because he thought he was doing right. Thinking and acting like a warrior or a soldier is our, especially, or especially a servant, which that word servant is the same word for the word minister. See the correlation? Having the same goal and purpose in mind as we walk with the, and serve the Lord, we are following His lead. Paul is trying to get everyone in the body on the same page, or at least on the same field. Some, even some of the early disciples were not focused on the purpose and goal of the kingdom. And that's true of people in the church and the body of Christ today. Not everybody has this singular focus of, I've got to further the kingdom. People have their agendas. Even in our apostolic churches, there's people out there that, have, that are going in all kinds of directions except the one they're supposed to be going in. And in some cases, they don't even, they're not even aware that they're, they've wandered off the path a little bit. Because there's things out there that are drawing us away. We're looking at that church over there and saying, well, they're doing this and nothing's happening. And they're having great growth and that, that stuff's happening. And it's drawing us away from the truth. Well, that's not necessary. Right? <laughs> that's being said a lot more than you think among our ranks. It's not necessary anymore. This isn't necessary. Holiness is necessary anymore. We cannot have self-seeking attitude or a motive of self-interest. There can be no cliques. We should not be about promoting ourselves. I've had people way back in my past that would tell me things like, you need to promote your ministry. And early on as a young convert, I kind of believed that. But as I went on, it's like, well, I'm supposed to be humble and all these other things and committed and submitted and obedient. How am I supposed to be promoting my own ministry? That's like contrary one to the other, right? Paul, Paul talked about that in Romans. He, there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. So that could be the flesh. Want to promote yourself? Definitely. Our humanity doesn't go away when we receive the Holy Ghost, does it? We still got to deal with this old boy every day. Our definition of uh, that, that scripture we read talked about strife. That there's a definition of, in the Bible of the word strife, and it talks about campaigning for public office in the Greek. Talk about some strife, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Verse 3 of that scripture in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says, Let each esteem, it goes on and says, Let each esteem others better than themselves. Right? It says, translated as Greek, Esteem each other superior to yourselves. Instead of fixing your eyes on those points in which you excel, 
Fix them on those which your neighbor excels you. This is true humility. Isn't that what Jesus exercised everywhere he went? True humility. I got a question for you. Are we a little bit too concerned about our image, being image conscious? What does that mean? I got to maintain my image. I got to be concerned about what people think. I got to wear the right shoes and I got to, I got to go to the right places and drive the right kind of car and wear the right kind of clothes so that people don't think less of me than they should. That's being image conscious. Y'all follow me? Do I need to go any further with that? No. I think you all know what I mean. Instead, we should be identity conscious. Whose identity? Not ours. We're not our own. We've been brought with a price. If we're hid with Christ and God, it's not about our identity, is it? It's about His identity. We're supposed to lose our identity, aren't we? When we take on His name, everything that Paul was until that road to Damascus experience, until that man came to that house and laid hands on him and he received the Holy Ghost and his eyes were opened, everything, Paul's identity up to that point was something totally different than what it was after that. Something happened and changed his identity. He literally became another man. He left all that behind. Paul talks about putting those these things behind us. What happened today? Your failures today? Your mistakes today? And we do all make mistakes, right? I'm not the only one? Okay, good. Whew. That's all behind you. Don't let your mistakes define you. Don't let your your misdeeds and define you. Don't let the fact that you were tempted and you might have given in a little bit define you. Repent, get over it, and move on. The devil don't want you to move on. He wants you to hover over that a while and stew over it and beat yourself up a little bit. Get a cat of nine tails and just you know beat yourself with it. I'm reading this book by this author, and it's called The Gift of Failure. I'm only like one chapter into it. Written by a guy named Dan Bongino. I can't wait to get to the end of it. (laughs) The Gift of Failure. Think about that. We wouldn't have these things right here if it wasn't for a man failing thousands of times before he got the right one. If he'd have given up, We might still be using candles. Who knows? LED, what's that? Right? We're not our own. We're supposed to be dead to self. Dead to me. Dead to who I am. Denying yourself. That what Jesus said? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself? What does that mean? What does it mean to deny oneself? In the Greek it means... To disown and renounce self and to subjugate all works, interests, and enjoyments. Subjugate them to who? To Him. I don't, 
there's some things I like to do. I like to work on my old car. I do. Contrary to what you might think, I just, I just kind of let God dictate when I'm allowed to go do that. When I feel a, kind of a release to go do that, I go do it. But when I, when I want to in here, and he's kind of nudging me, no, I just listen to that. And I say, I'll do it tomorrow or next week or whenever he lets me do it. And that might sound weird to some people, but that's, that's how it is. Because I made a decision when I got that thing. I am not going to let this thing become my God. I am not going to let this thing steal my joy, steal my time, and whatever, because I could let it do that. I mean, I would be out there every night if it was up to me. That thing would already have a new paint job, and it'd be, I mean, it'd just be all kinds of stuff going on with that car, but it's not, I'm not going to let it get between me and the Lord. If He tells me to get rid of it tomorrow, it's gone. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe he was listening. <laughs> but if he said that, I would. I'd, I'd put it up for sale to whoever wanted to buy it in here first. <laughs> Only when Jesus humbled himself and submitted and surrendered himself completely to the Father's plan, purpose, and will was he able to operate in the authority of the Spirit of Almighty God. Jesus said this word at one point, right before he was going to the cross. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We need to have that kind of an, of an attitude every day, nevertheless. Even though I want to do this, God, and I really wanted to do this today, and I really had this on my, in my daytimer today, and I really had plans to go do this today, if you're telling me to go do something else and push that to the side for now, I'm... I'm willing to do that. When God can tell you no about something your flesh wants to do, then you know that you're, you're heading in the right direction of humility and obedience to God. Not just your pastor, but to God. The full proof of the ministry of Jesus was shown in his compassion and love for the souls of men without regard to his own comfort or livelihood. Right? Our comfort doesn't matter, does it? We, we like being comfortable, though, don't we? Those of you in here that are cold nature, you like the heat. And those of us in here that are hot natured, we like the cool. You know, the air conditioning. They had none of that. They had none of that. Our, our forefathers in this way that we're in had none of that either. They had a little building smaller than this with a little one little stove up in the front to heat the whole entire building, and it didn't get very hot. didn't even get warm a little bit. It just made it made 55 degrees bearable. <laughs> right? And they had, they had brush arbors, and they had sand, and they had... Wood chips, and they had hard benches with no put, no no padding. And how in the world did the kingdom move forward in through all that? And rotten food, and eggs, and all kinds of stuff being tossed at them, and getting beat up at school because they were different. None of us have gone through that. 
I couldn't even imagine it. But what if that starts coming? (laughs) There are some people that would like to see a religion in every household. And it's not Christianity. We're online, so I'm going to be careful what I say. But you all know what I mean. It's all about submission to them. But in a different way, submission. He was a total and complete servant to the world around him, even forgiving those that crucified him while he hung on the cross. You know, Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. So it should say, as we forgive, forgive us our debts. In proportion to how much I exercise forgiveness, Lord, forgive my debts. If we, if we really operated that way, there would be no grudges in the church. People wouldn't get mad at each other in the church over silly stuff. But that's the enemy. That's how he works. He's not going to bring alcohol and junk in here. He's just going to get us fighting among one another. Little division here, little division there. He gets us fighting amongst one another. He just walks away and goes, there you go. Y'all got it. Run with it. You know, God left the decision up to Timothy and those that Paul was writing that letter to. And he left that decision up to us today, didn't he? We have to first acknowledge we have a ministry. And then we have to acknowledge that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. And then we have to acknowledge that it's our responsibility to make full proof of whatever that ministry is. If it's to be a prayer warrior, go for it. Be the best prayer warrior you could ever be. We're not just called to be saved, folks. I want to make heaven too. I want to make heaven my home. I'm not, there's nothing out there in this world I want to go back to. Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't matter if that lady back there and all my family goes the other way. I'm not, I'm sorry. There's nothing out there I want. The devil would like you to think otherwise. But there's nothing out there I want. He called us to a destiny and a ministry chosen before we were born. We already talked about that. He's already He already knows what your ministry is supposed to be. It's just a matter of we need to find out what it is. We need to ask Him. Ask. Seek. Knock. If you study that scripture out, it says it, what it really means in the Greek is ask and keep on asking. You know, like a little kid. Mommy, are we there yet? Mommy, 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 are we going to the park yet? Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking until you get the answer. And understand that sometimes the answer is not the one you wanted to hear. (laughs) Be prepared for that. But if you're submitted to God and He gives you the answer that your flesh didn't want to hear, you're happy that He gave you an answer and you're willing to say, Okay, God, you must know what's best for me, so I'll go that way instead of the way I thought I was going to go. Romans 8, 29 and 30. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. He predestinated us. In God's mind, he saw every individual on this earth saved. But he left it up to each individual to decide if they wanted that or not. Do they want to receive his love? Do they want to receive his salvation? In God's mind, everybody's saved already because he knows the end from the beginning, right? But in God's mind, he also knows that not everybody's going to receive this. People are going to turn away from it. They've been doing it since the beginning of time. People turned away from it. In the New Testament, in the New Testament church, Demas turned away from it, having loved this present world. We've got lots of Demases out here. Today in this world, backsliders that are out there that don't realize there's, a, there's some bad times coming, and that's why I keep praying for them. I want, I want God to return them to the kingdom, bring them back. Don't leave them out there to go to hell. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's got nothing to do with receiving accolades. The Bible does say, give honor to whom honor is due. Custom to whom custom. And to some, give double honor. And we should do that. But if I'm the recipient of the double honor, I'm just I'm just sending it right up to him. I was just here as a vessel, God. You were just using me, and men want to give me glory, that's fine, but I'm going to give it to you because I don't deserve it. I was just your vessel. Amen? He led, Jesus led a, a life of complete, an utter surrender, submission, and humility. Did you not? You know, we sing that song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him, all through life's journeys from earth to glory, all I only ask to be like him. Is that our prayer? Is that what you're really striving for? Or do we, the minute we hit the door, we're, we're back on our schedule again. You know, I am a little bit. I I got to go to work at eight o'clock in the morning. She's got to be there at seven. So yeah, he blessed us with these jobs, so we got to be faithful and be there. But I'm not going to let that become who I am. I'm not going to let that become my identity. I identify with Jesus Christ. That house I live in is not mine. It's his. He's just letting me live there. He's letting me make the house payment. <laughs> but he's letting me live there. <laughs> that, that truck I drive, that car, it's not mine. He blessed us with that. Clothes I wear, the bed I sleep in, it's not mine. It's his. If he wanted to take it all away tomorrow, that's his business. I don't serve the stuff that I get from being a, a Christian, I serve the one who allowed me to to come into this truth, to the knowledge of this truth. He sent the 70, two by two. 
That wasn't just a one-off deal. Oh, I think I'll just add this little story in here just to cap everything off. The Holy Ghost didn't put anything in the Bible by accident. It's all there for a reason. It's all there for our, for our admonition, for wisdom of some kind. And those, those 70 didn't have the Holy Ghost, folks. And they had power over devils. They cast out devils and they healed the sick and they did all that without the Holy Ghost. And we have the power of God in us. We have that authority and dominion, any one of us in this room, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That wasn't spoken to pastors and presbyters and district superintendents only. That was spoken to whomsoever will. If you have the Holy Ghost, you got the same Holy Ghost He's got. If you're out there and you have an opportunity to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, don't say, uh, i got to get with the pastor first. <laughs> You've got that authority in the name of Jesus. You've got His name applied to your life. You're a son of God. Just like He said on Sunday, we've already got the victory over that sickness, that disease, whatever it is. And if God tells you to pray for somebody and nothing happens, that's fine. It's not, it's not your responsibility to heal them. It's your responsibility to obey. And if God tells you to pray for somebody and doesn't heal them, maybe he's doing that for a reason. To help you learn something. I remember as a kid, a guy I worked for, he made me do some of the weirdest things. And I was like, why is he sending me over here to do this? This doesn't make any sense. But there was a teachable moment there that I didn't realize, and he knew. The guy was my football coach in grade school, and I worked for him in the summer. And Bill Miller knew exactly what he was trying to help me. He was giving me some life lessons through these little experiences that he didn't tell me ahead of time, this is why I'm sending you over there. He just sent me to go do it. And I got to learn the lesson. And just like that guy that wrote that book I'm reading, he, I got to go through some failures so I could learn. Failure is not final. If you never try any, if you never aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? Proverbs 21 and 2 says, and I'm done, every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts. You, we can sit in front of a preacher and shake our head and agree and say amen and shout and all that. But at the end of the day, God knows what's going on in here because our hearts are desperately wicked. I believe it says in the Old Testament. Who can know it? Who, 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 who in this room really knows your heart? Who really knows what you're fully capable of in here? None of us do. Something could, there could be a rage and an anger in you that you don't even know is there. And something just happened one day and it just, it's like lighting a fuse. It just sets you off. And you're like, where in the world did that come from? All the more reason for us to stay close to Jesus and to be busy about making full proof of our ministry. Because, you know, my grandmother used to say, because my grandmother raised five boys. My dad was one of five brothers. 
And my mom quoted this almost my whole childhood because my grandmother said it to her all the time. You got to keep boys busy. And so my mom had three boys right out of, right off the bat, twins, and then one a year later. So my my grandmother kept telling my mom, just keep them boys busy. They'll keep if you keep somebody busy, they'll stay out of trouble. So when I raised my boys, they were involved in. They played soccer at the Y. They were in the, the scouts. They did this. They did that at school. They did stuff at church. They went to youth rallies. They went to camp. I kept them boys busy to the point where they didn't even start dating until they got out of high school. Yeah. And they're both living for God today. We stayed busy about the kingdom. We made the kingdom the first and foremost of everything we did. They weren't allowed to open a Christmas gift on Christmas morning until we read the story of, of Jesus' birth. And it just about killed them a couple of times. But it was important. And those moments were important. And I'll never, I could never go back and redo that any other way except I could have, should have done it more, I think, sometimes. But we always beat ourselves up as parents, don't we? <laughs> Let's all stand. <laughs> My dad used to say there's no book on how to raise kids. And I used to think, yeah, that's right. So I had some. And I said, there really isn't a book. <laughs> You've got to make it up as you go. <laughs> Praise God. And hope for the best. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. I pray, Lord, that something that I said tonight, Lord, has been a blessing, has been received by somebody in this room. I believe you came to speak to us tonight, Lord. I believe that you were here and your presence was in this place. You were speaking to our hearts, ministering to each individual individually, Lord. And I thank you for this opportunity just to be your vessel in this place and before this people, Lord. We thank you for all your goodness, mercy, and grace for life and health and breath that you've given us in our bodies today, Lord. And as we go from this place, we pray that you would bind the devil, Lord, from stealing anything that we've received from your kingdom today. Don't let him take it away from our hearts and minds, Lord. Let it sit there. Let us chew on it and think about it, Lord. Let us let us go higher and deeper in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody.